Welcome. The following message is from the pulpit ministry of the First Baptist Church of Festus Crystal City, Missouri. We welcome you to find out more about our church on our website at www.fbcfcc.org or check us out on our Facebook page at First Baptist Church, Festus Crystal City. We'll get through Philippians by the end of 2024. It's a lot of ground to cover. Uh, As you know, I I like to, to study leaders and historical figures, and I came across a story of a man by the name of John. John was a Confederate officer in the Civil War that got injured, and after he was injured in a battle, he was never quite the same again. And so as a result, uh, he became dependent and ultimately addicted to painkillers of opium and and morphine. Uh, Nothing harmless about drugs, my friends. Uh, We we may have legalized marijuana, but it didn't make it right, y'all. So anything that can alter your state of mind or being is something you need to stay away from. John was also a pharmacist. He spent his entire life and fortune trying to find a cure for himself and others. Uh, To be honest with you, he wasn't very successful. But he did invent a tonic, a medicinal tonic that would change the world and change the way we view things. Nearing the end of his life, after pouring his heart and soul into trying to find a cure for this drug addiction, he was unsuccessful. In fact, any time he would get money, he would squander it on his addiction. But this, song, this tonic really took off, and people started liking it, embracing it, and started selling it in pharmacies. And what was this miracle cure that he invented? Well, we drink it today as Coca-Cola. John Pemberton invented Coca-Cola, but as he was about to die, he sold the patent for a fortune of about roughly $7,000 today. Spent his whole life, his heart and soul and mind, pouring his heart into trying to cure this sickness that he had and squandered it. His son would ultimately, uh, he succumbed to the same addiction as his father and died from drugs. And his wife also died a penniless pauper. All that work, his life's work, everything he poured his heart and soul into was gone. What do you pour your heart and your soul into? What do you empty yourself into? Because the Apostle Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 2, verses 17 through 18, and Paul reminds us, he pours his entire soul, his entire being. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with all of you, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Paul's life was on the line. He was in prison in Rome. His trial was imminent, and he knew that it could go either way, life or death, but ultimately, irregardless of what the the judge's gavel brought down, whatever Caesar decided to do, Paul knew that he trusted the Lord, and he rejoiced. Waiting is not fun. Waiting is torture, but it shouldn't be. Paul didn't get bent out of shape. Paul rejoiced poured everything that he had within him. He poured out for others, poured it out for others, which is the meaning of a sacrificial life. Paul uses some very interesting verbiage in this passage. He uses the language of the book of Leviticus. How many of you enjoy reading the book of Leviticus? (laughs) You know, you start out the first of the year, 
you read the Bible through a year, you, you, you do great, but you get lost in the old book of Leviticus, and you think, well, maybe I'll get better in, Levit in Numbers and Deuteronomy. It, it doesn't. But Paul is referring to the sacrificial system set up in Leviticus, the system that we no longer need to use, my friend, or do anymore. There's some people that say we need to go back to the Old Testament and do those things. It's not necessary. We'll talk more about that here in a minute. But this sacrificial system, the arranging of animal parts, the sprinkling of blood, the blood to deal with bodily emissions, all this stuff, it's weird as you read it. But Paul says here, I'm being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial altar. My friends, Paul is asking us to look at our sacrifices through the lens of the book of Leviticus. The aim of Paul's ministry was this, to give all of me to all of you. The true mark of a servant. That's what Jesus did. He gave all that he had to all that, all that we had. To, he gave all that he had to us so that we may have all that he had. This is a reference to the ascension offering, sometimes called the whole burnt offering. So now every Christian now is not living in this Levitical system. We're living in a time of self-sacrifice to make every day holy. The, the burnt offering was the baseline for every offering in the Old Testament. An animal was killed, its blood was drained, and it was spilled, spilled on the altar. Then the priest would dismember the body and offer it as a sacrifice on this fire. Well, praise God, we don't have to do that anymore. That price has been paid. The offering is a fitting image of total and complete surrender. All of me to all of you. Now some people say, well, you know, the Old Testament is very clear. We need to throw those, we need to follow all those old laws. And Paul says, no, in Romans 12, make your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. There are those that say, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. My friends, we're instructed to keep every day holy. Every day. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. All the days that end in Y. Every day is to be a holy day. Not just one day. Every day to be holy, to be God's righteous people. This new covenant, rather than offering an animal through fire and smoke, we offer ourselves. We offer our bodies as members of sacrifices so that God may use them for his instruments of his peace and his righteousness. Christ fulfilled the Levitical system by offering himself on the cross, and Christ entered the heavenly place. The book of Hebrews is a fantastic book. I wish we knew who wrote the book. We don't know. But Hebrews 9 tells us, not by means of blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Hebrews 9.26 continues, Christ offered a better sacrifice than bulls and goats, putting away sins once and for all, all by the sacrifice of himself. We give ourselves as a sacrifice because Jesus gave himself as a sacrifice. Now, some people say, well, why is Leviticus still in the Bible? Shouldn't we just rip it out and just throw it away? It's not any good anymore? No, certainly not. It reminds us, as you read it, that we're not able to fulfill the righteous requirements of the law. It is not in us. Christ paid that bill. How many of you have ever gone through old bills? You know, receipts, and you go, that's from 1972. I guess I should keep that. I might get audited one day. Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers are bills that have been paid. Can I get another amen out of that? That's the bills that have been paid. 
Why would you take a bill from 1972 that's been stamped, paid in full, and go, you know what? I think I'll go pay that bill again. That's foolish. Jesus paid the price. It is finished. It is done. We don't have to sacrifice bulls and goats and all that anymore. Praise God for that. The price has been paid. As you read it, it, is a, it helps us appreciate what Christ did for us. What he endured for us. Paul reminds us, secondly, to pour ourselves out as a sacrifice. He says, even I'm being poured out as a drink offering. And this, this word drink offering literally means a libation or a drink offering. And the people that read this passage that were pagans understood fully what he was talking about. They would take a drink before and a drink after as a sacrifice to God and then pour it. Well, part of the Old Testament system means to pour out this sacrifice, to pour it over the fire where it is consumed before it even hits the coals. Remember Christ on the cross? We've talked about this before. Jesus says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Followed by a thirst. What happened in that moment? Jesus emptied himself out completely as a sacrifice for us and then drank from the full cup of the wrath of God. That's what we're to do. To sacrifice ourselves daily. To empty ourselves. To be of service. And that's a priestly service. To act holy. Praise God. We don't have to go to a priest to intercede on our behalf, my friends. We have direct access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You don't have to go to a confessional or some kind of booth. You can go directly to Jesus. A direct line. And he is there with open arms, open ears, and an open heart. If the ascension offering is the main course, the tribute offering is the side dish. In the book of Numbers, we learn that once Israel entered the promised land... They were to offer not only grain offerings, but also drink offerings. They were to pour wine on the altar along with the grain. And here's the crucial point. According to Numbers 15, every ascension offering made in the promised land was to be accompanied by a grain offering and a drink offering. That's a lot of offerings. To sacrifice. To give up as a reminder that wherever you go, you're to be a living sacrifice. So what does this have to do with the book of Philippians and us in the 21st century? Well, Paul says that each of the Philippians and us is being offered as a living sacrifice as the ascension offering. And this labor for the joy and faith is the drink offering on the side. Not about you, but if I go get a meal, I'd like to have some sweet tea. Not unsweet tea. I like sweet tea. It's better. It's godly. Natural. You have to have that drink, and they go hand in hand together, to pour yourself out, to empty yourself, to sacrifice as a holy sacrifice pleasing to the Lord. When you wake up in the morning, our first prayer should be, Lord Jesus, how can I serve you? What can I sacrifice for you today? And really, it's not really a sacrifice, because it's a gain, because the blessings are above and beyond anything we can imagine Paul is saying he's being poured out so that they can be offered up. And so he's willing to be poured out all the way to the bottom, even to his death. One commentator says this is a wonderful, biblical, Levitical picture of the church and the Christian life. We are all called off ourselves wholly to God completely. All of me to all of you, O oh God, because of Jesus. Total surrender. Each of us is an offering. 
daily giving ourselves to God, renewing our minds by his truth, and presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice, this is our reasonable or our spiritual act of worship. Do you know somebody that's actually poured their entire life out for the kingdom of God? There's a pastor whose name has long been forgotten, but many people do know him, but not like they used to. His name was George Mueller. George Mueller in the late 1850s was an incredible man of faith. In London, he personally saw to the need of over 10,000 orphans. He created 117 Christian schools that taught a Christian worldview, and it is estimated that in his lifetime, he educated over 120,000 children in the kingdom of God in Christian education. He didn't start out that way. He started out as a thief, a liar, and a gambler, and even spent time in prison. But something happened in 1825. He gave his heart to Jesus. And in that moment, he lived a life of sacrifice. He poured out his life, his heart, everything he had into the kingdom of God and serving others. And his prayers are the stuff of legend. Once on his way to England, he was going to a meeting and the, there was a fog over the sea and the captain said, Pastor, we're not going to make it. The fog's too thick. George Mueller said, this is documented. George Mueller said, no, sir. God made this appointment. He's never let me down. We're going to get there on time. And so the captain, who was not a believer, said, well, let's pray. So they sat down to pray and George Mueller prayed. And after he'd finished, he said, amen. And the captain said, well, I guess it's my turn to pray. And George Mueller said, no, sir, don't waste your time. One, you don't have the faith to believe that's really going to happen. And two, I've already asked God to do it. And I know he's going to do it. They stepped out on the deck. Clear skies. Can God still do things like that? Absolutely. What happened to the captain? He got saved. You think? Another time, they had no food to feed the children. They sat down at the table. He said, get the plates out, get the spoons, get the cups, nothing to eat or to drink. They sat there. So George Mueller put his hands together in front of those children and said, Lord, we thank you for the breakfast and the food that you're going to provide for us. Amen. Pastor, I'm a local baker. Would you like some bread to feed the kids today? Crash. The milkman crashed his cart right in front of the orphanage. They had milk to drink. What is the end result of an act of sacrifice? Blessings beyond all measure. Above and beyond anything we can imagine. George Mueller outlived the lives of his wives, his children, and even tragically had stillborn children through the years. He died at the ripe age of 92 years old. And what's ironic is when they came to, they, they, when they found out he'd passed away, they walked in, they poured him a cup of tea. When they walked in, they found a man who had sacrificed and poured himself out completely. A man of faith, a man of principle. He was a servant. I think about Charlie Hargis. There's every man that was a servant. It was Charlie. If you get a chance to know him, if you didn't get a chance, he was a tremendous blessing to work with and to serve with. I'll talk more, I'll talk more about that tomorrow at the funeral, at the memorial service. He was a servant. We need more people like Charlie Hargis, young, old, all the above, to step up and to serve. I think about Linus and the Great Pumpkin. Poor Linus believed with all his heart, with all his soul, all his mind, that the Great Pumpkin was real. They got there in that pumpkin patch, and what happened? Nothing. 
but he was so convinced that it was truth. There's a lot of people in this world that have myths and truth that they've conjured up, but they're no more true than the man in the moon. It's a myth. But I'm going to tell you right now, my friends, there's no myth when it comes to Jesus. There's no myth to what he can do and what Paul believed that he had done for the kingdom of God. What are you pouring your life into? What's your noble cause? You know, as you know, I, I collect trains. I, I, I like those, the line of O-gauge trains. And I'll go to these train shows and I'll see these outstanding layouts that people have spent time and fortunes and money on. And it's usually a parent or a grandparent and the kids or grandkids don't care anything about it. They just want to sell it off. Karen and I like to go to estate sales and we'll go through these and we'll see these folks' collections, but nobody wants it. And people poured their heart and their soul into these things that they thought that mattered. But at the end of the day, as the pharaohs discovered, you can't take it with you. It's gone. What are you pouring your life into, my friends? Is it a noble cause, a hill worth dying on? Are you a social media warrior? Is your noble cause your kids, your job, sports, pleasure? Is your pleasure, is your passion, is your sacrifice in helping to advance the kingdom of God because if it is not it's foolishness my friends there's nothing wrong with having hobbies and caring for things but when it becomes your obsession and when it inhibits your walk with the Lord then there's a problem thirdly Paul wants us to offer one another to God to pray for each other to serve one another rabbi teacher what the greatest of all the commandments Jesus said love the Lord your God with all of your heart soul mind and strength love your neighbor as yourself this is sacrifice but yet it's not a sacrifice because the blessings are richly abundantly above all that we can hope think even comprehend you see those offerings shape our vision of a Christian life and our ministry to others it also shapes our prayers it's an abounding love it's a never ceasing love and Paul says I pour myself out as a drink offering I pour it out he says in Philippians 4 4 we'll get to that in a few weeks rejoice in the Lord always again I say rejoice what are you sacrificing for how are you serving you know I spoke a few moments ago in closing about John Pemberton and how he had sold away given away and sold his fortune for that patent on Coca-Cola well, the man that bought it was a man by the name of Asa Candler. Asa was a devout Christian. He loved the Lord sincerely and wanted to take the fortune that he was getting to help spread and advance the gospel. He funded missions and ministries and even Emory University and Emory Hospital. He spent his days sacrificing and serving the Lord. What is your passion? What are you pouring into? What are you sacrificing for? For Paul, living as Christ and dying as gain, and therefore his labor for the progress and the joy of the Philippians' faith is a deeply happy one. He gladly spent his days in jail, in chains, praising God and saying, I have nothing left to give but myself. What are you, who are you, and what are you pouring your life into? Has there never been a moment in your life where you've asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior? Has there never been a moment where you've said, Lord Jesus, please forgive me, set me free. I want to be saved from my sins. What is the Lord asking you to sacrifice for him? How can we pour ourselves out daily to advance the kingdom of God? 
For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Father, we love you. We thank you for the supreme sacrifice that you became on the cross of Calvary. Thank you for setting us free from the law of sin and death. And Lord, I do pray for those within the sound of my voice that don't know you as your Lord and Savior. I pray in this moment if they have a crowd, you can say, Lord Jesus, save me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I confess that I'm a sinner. Lord Jesus, save me. Be with those here today, Father, that have so much to give. And yet, for whatever reason, they're scared to or reluctant to. Give us all the courage to pour ourselves out for you, Lord Jesus. Our time, our talent, our treasure. Lord, bless this time of invitation. And we ask that your will be done. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand at this time. This altar is... Thank you for joining us today for another in-depth message into God's Word. May God richly bless you, and we invite you to join us in person for worship at 815 or 1045 every Sunday morning. We are located at 107 North Truman Boulevard in Crystal City, Missouri.